Welcome back once again to Pastor Life Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I am a Pinnacle Leadership Associate and the pastor of Chapel by the Sea on Clearwater Beach, Florida. And I'm David Brown, also a Pinnacle Associate and pastor of The Welcome Table in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Today we are talking about the technology dilemma. We as pastors are confronted with ever-advancing technological inventions and advances. And what do we do with all of the technology that surrounds us? Well, maybe what I'll do with the technology that surrounds us is just to stop for a few seconds of pure silence. And that would, <laughs> that would recreate the trouble we had in recording this episode. There's a song, isn't it ironic, uh, on our technology episode that our recording completely shut down in the middle. You'll kind of uh, get there. You'll see that when that happens. And and then even in the introduction that we recorded previously, uh, David was just invisible. He was just disappeared. We had no recording of David whatsoever. He is not a ghost. He is here now. For once in my life, I decided not to speak for three minutes <laughs> on a recording. Well, the great thing about this episode, despite all of its technological challenges, is that our conversation partner this week uh, is the Reverend Dr. D. Vaughn. Uh, D. is the pastor of St. Andrew's Baptist Church in Columbia, South Carolina. He's also a dad, a granddad, and he is my former pastor, my growing up high school-ish college-age pastor. And I'm grateful for both Dee's wisdom and insight, the way he helped shape my life and the work he continues to do as part of our Pinnacle team. I look forward to bringing Dee onto the pod as we discuss together the technology dilemma. Adapt or die. Throughout Christian history, the church has adapted to changing times, incorporating new technology in furtherance of the church's mission. Where would the church be, for instance, if not for taking advantage of new technology in the 1400s called the printing press? The Bible now holds the record as the best-selling book of all time. Mass distribution of the Bible changed Christianity forever. Clergy were no longer the only ones who could read and interpret scriptures. Any literate person could do so. This technological adaptation laid the groundwork for the Protestant Reformation and the idea of the priesthood of the believer. The late Phyllis Tickle, in her book, The Great Emergence, suggests that we are living through another seismic shift in Christianity, fueled by the somewhat recent emergence of the Internet. Now, church leaders recognize the power of the Internet for ministry in today's context. Your church probably has a website, a Facebook page. Maybe you even have Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Many churches started live streaming during the COVID-19 shutdown. And as with many things in life, the question becomes moderation or balance. How much energy should church leaders put toward leveraging technology for advancing the church's mission? Must pastors become social media experts? At what point does trying to stay on top of technological advances lead to mission drift? And this is an interesting one. Are online influencers taking the societal place that pastors once held? Today on the pod, we'll consider the opportunities and the challenges technology poses for today's pastor. And here to help us is our creative, experienced friend, Dee Vaughn. Maybe he'll have some answers 
but more likely we'll be three local church pastors wondering together how we can best live into our respective callings in light of rapidly changing technological advances. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome, Dee, back to Pastor Life Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. You know, it's one thing to come once, but to be asked back, that's a, that's a privilege. So thank you. You're a regular now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I look forward to the t-shirt or the trophy or whatever comes with it. That's great. Well, today um, we're talking about technology in our churches. And, um, you know, I've got to admit, I have kind of a love-hate relationship with lots of technology. I'm, I'm okay at a lot of technology. I was, um, you know editing podcasts before the pandemic ever hit and doing a little bit of video editing before the pandemic hit. And then I found I had to do a lot more of that technology stuff. And um, I don't know if other pastors out there are feeling that pinch, you know, of the love-hate relationship with technology. The useful tools, absolutely, it's useful in getting our, our message out there and connecting with people. But at the same time, um, nothing in my mind beats the in-person connection that we have with people. So, uh, David, what el- what other kind of uh, uh, lead-in do you have, thoughts that you have about technology before we start drilling D with some questions? Well, coming into this conversation, I think I'm wondering about all the ways that we manage to adapt and become proficient or at, at least managed to use the technology that we needed to. But I wonder if we're at a point where we need to look beyond that and to get the bigger picture of how technology beyond just live streaming worship, how it might be a tool to connect in a broader sense with our community, um, how people, particularly people younger than me, are engaging technology and integrating it into their life in ways that, that I do not do. I think digital natives, uh, which maybe I'm right on the border of, maybe you too, Rhonda. Um, But I'm interested to see how this conversation will take us into the broader landscape of technology and the church. How do we really leverage technology beyond just what we're doing to make worship available to our congregation members or to our community? So I'm excited to, to see where the conversation goes. Like many churches, uh, our church was sort of thrown into technology by COVID. Uh, We came to that point where we knew we had to shut down in terms of in-person worship for a time. And uh, how are we going to connect? What options do we have? So we, for a season, recorded messages and music and other things and pieced them together into recordings that we shared. And then as we began to regather, a lot of our folks could not yet come to church, but some could. So we you know, took those first steps back with the small crowds and uh, said, can we live stream? So we had about 10 days to figure that out, as I remember, to, uh, to figure out what to do. And that first service we live streamed was an iPhone on a tripod sitting down near the front of the church. And we moved on from there. But uh, like many folks, we it became a crash course for us 
out of necessity. And it's changed the way we do church. And, and now we're at the stage of asking what will be the enduring impact of that, the enduring value and the ongoing challenges of it. So we're, we're in a, new fa- a different kind of phase of that now. It seems like streaming worship services and posting worship services online uh, have become kind of the front door to our congregations rather than somebody receiving an invitation from a church member to come and sit beside them in a pew and that physical in the sanctuary experience of worship becomes kind of their initial experience with the church and the life of the church. So now COVID has made it such that there is a open door and anyone in the community who might be curious about our place can actually pull up a chair and experience that in a much less uh, threatening way and in a way that requires, you know, less commitment. So I, I think that in some ways, technology is breaking down barriers for those who might not find their way into an unfamiliar sanctuary, unfamiliar place. Uh, and, and maybe it's a way to overcome that initial hesitancy about being present for a worship gathering or some other gathering. So I wonder, you know, what opportunities you see to use tech maybe in this way or even broader than that? Well, I think one of the opportunities that technology offers us is it gives people who are outside the fellowship what they believe is a safe way to experience life in the church, at least at an arm's length to see what it's like, because um, many folks, for whatever reason, are anxious or afraid. They've had a bad experience somewhere. And, uh, you know, no one buys anything without first shopping on the Internet. Even if you don't order it on the Internet, you, you research it. And I think they're looking at groups the same way. What can we learn from uh, a congregation? I think pre-COVID, that was attach more to a church's web page as a front door, a first impression, an introduction. But now I think with more churches streaming, they want to see the church in action um, and worship and experience it that way. So I, we have had a chance to connect to some people who said we began by looking up your worship service, maybe at the invitation of a friend, or maybe they were new to town and were just searching for a church family. Uh, so that's good. Uh, another way it's been a positive for us is that our people can recommend worship services to friends. If, for example, we talked about grief one day and someone had a neighbor who had experienced a loss, they could say, look, this is how you get to our broadcasts. Uh, D had some interesting things to say about grief, and I thought about you. Maybe maybe it would be helpful. So, you know, if you'd like to, tune that in and, and see it. Uh, so, it. So it's been a nice way for people to share the story of the church with others, especially at points of need um, in their lives. So th- those have been very good things. One of the things that a lot of pastors have probably talked about along the way is that we've all become televangelist <laughs> since COVID. And, um, and again, a blessing that we can get the message out there that we can, um, that people from all across the country, all across the world can tune into what we're doing. 
But on the other hand, um, I, you know, I definitely have a sense of resistance anytime someone local says, oh, I don't come to church very often, but I watch you every Sunday. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it kind of makes my skin crawl a little bit just to think about, you know, what what is it we're doing? We're putting on a show. And, you know, if we're trying to put on a show and people see it as a show, then how, how can we compete? Um, you know, smaller churches, especially mid, medium-sized churches, how can we compete with the production value of a Joel Osteen? Um, you know, we can't. We can't compete with that kind of production value, even though our message may be stronger, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> um, so thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I think a church has to choose a clear purpose for what you're doing, and that is you're streaming a worship service. You're not producing a television broadcast with a live audience. <laughs> Those are different because of what comes primary. Um, the tail can wag the dog, and and it does in some cases, and some of it's almost unavoidable. Uh, one example I think of, when we started streaming, we noticed that people in the choir loft were a significant distraction because no matter how focused or intent you are, you don't look like you're very interested when you sit there for the entire hour. Um, and so we began dismissing the choir from the choir loft before the message because we were asking them to do something that we realized was almost impossible. You know, st staff don't do any better sitting on the platform before they go down. So it's not like we're judging them. You know, we're all in the same thing, but I'm, I'm the only person that's up front when the message time comes. And that was just a function of the fact that it just felt distracting that, um, you know, someone might be fumbling through their notes or, you know, heaven forbid someone fall asleep on the back row of the choir. But I've called my choir members is, texting. <laughs> is, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, th that we're being shaped by that. And, and when you said resistance, I, I think there's a question I wrestle with. Do we believe that watching your church's worship service from home is an authentic expression of Christian discipleship? Uh, now, obviously, we're not speaking of those who are homebound, those who are traveling, someone home with a sick child, all of those circumstances. This is their best chance to stay connected, and we're really grateful for that. But I, too, have had some folks saying, no, you didn't see me Sunday, but I, I did watch on the TV. And my strong impression was you just didn't take the time and the effort or the trouble to physically come to church. And it was easier for you to watch on your computer or your television or whatever. And um, I, <laughs> I struggle a little bit with how to respond to that. You know, part of me wants to say, well, thank you for tuning in. But what I often find myself saying is, you know, I'm, I'm glad we have that way to get to folks when they can't be here. But wow, we really, we're better when we're together. So uh, come on back. <laughs> you know? So it's, it is, a, it is a dilemma in a sense with that. What I don't want to give anybody the impression of is that just opening your device on Sunday for an hour is the same as being a functional member of the body of Christ. It's more than that. 
because it's about relationships and it's not just a relationship to a worship service. It's a relationship to people and relationships work much better person to person. <laughs> That's the way it I is. I put a, a letter in our newsletter, I don't know, a couple of months ago now and uh, trying to just touch on this lightly without, you know, I, I hope I'm not judging people. I just want them to recognize that we need them, you know, that, that they're not contri- their their presence is valuable even if they're not doing anything but coming their presence is valuable and so my newsletter article was titled the honor of your presence is requested right like a mm. like a wedding invitation i um, like that i don't know that anybody read it but <laughs> but it is what it is david what are you thinking about so d i completely agree with you in the sense of the value of a live streamed worship service or even a Zoom worship service uh, is is not the same as the in-person embodied experience of being in the physical space with fellow worshipers if it's really just about convenience. I mean, I think that's really what you're saying is that, that if it's for convenience, that this is the poorer of the two alternatives to be on a screen rather than embodied and in real life. I guess I just wonder, and maybe we can talk about this more as we go. I wonder if there are uh, people for whom the uh, experience of being on a digital platform is really more of an extension of real life. So, so I completely get the argument about convenience, and if people are just staying home and tuning in on their computer or their device so they can stay on their couch and in their pajamas, well, I think we, we ought to expect more from the idea of being the community of Christ together, the body of Christ together. Uh, and yet, at the same time, I want to hold space for people who are engaging in real community building online and, and in digital ways and, uh, and, and just how that might be a space that the church might engage. Well, Pastor Life podcast listeners, you won't believe what just happened. In our episode about technology, our recording platform just crashed, causing us to go to a completely different platform. So hopefully we can resume this conversation. I think Dee had all the answers for us about how to solve this dilemma, right, Dee? You ready? I did. I've <laughs> forgotten them now, but at the moment I did. Oh, so fantastic. Sorry that happened. <laughs> How unfortunate. Technology. Ugh. <laughs> I think we were talking about building community. Is that right? Seems like it. Okay. Seems like it. Okay. Yeah. What What are some of the ways, uh, either of you, that, uh, that that you do feel like we can leverage technology to to really build build community. I think one of the ways you can report shared experiences through social media, you can celebrate shared experiences in your live stream, which becomes in effect a, a recognition that those times are important and an invitation to join them. Let, let you know, let it let it be a, a sampler of what shared life is uh, to invite people to move beyond just a technology connection to the church, to have a more personal relationship with the church. 
I know one of the, some of the language we use around pinnacle is the shift from attractional church model, which says, hey, y'all come to us, come to our church building, to a missional model, which says, well, let's take the church to where the people are. And the people are increasingly online in social media circles, um, and probably increasingly in the metaverse even. And so, I, you know, I think that is going to be a more and more of an important way for us to build community. But, uh, but I got to tell you, again, a love-hate relationship with social media because, you know, up in the run-up, for instance, to the 2020 election, um, I had church members. I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with what they were posting on Facebook. I just got off of Facebook. I don't really have a desire to go back on Facebook, but there's like this continual draw. Well, we need to do a Facebook group book group or an Instagram, you know. Um, so what are your thoughts about that, Dee? I mean, are you, I mean, have you solved that dilemma? <laughs> well, uh, I, I do use Facebook. I use it personally. This is where I'll get the plug for the grandchildren in, I guess. But uh, that's where I share pictures and video clips like any doting grandfather would. But we, we do use it to, to try to promote church life and church events. You have to be careful what kind of postings you allow folks to comment on because you do leave yourself vulnerable to that vast range of opinions and views and preferences and prejudices and all the rest that you can get on, uh, on social media. The things that we post from the church, we will specifically decide, do we want comments to be open or not? Hmm. Um, because sometimes it's just not helpful. Sometimes it is. <laughs> We live stream, for example, our Wednesday service, which is a time of prayer and Bible study. That's primarily for people who are homebound or physically can't drive the distance that it is to our church. We have a number of people who drive a distance to come to St. Andrews. And we do open it up then because they share prayer requests. They respond to the service and it in a sense allows them to be a part of the dialogue. Uh, of what's going on. Now, I don't read what's coming in during the service because that's too distracting from the group that's there. I just can't manage all that. But it does give me a chance to follow up later and say, you know, thank you. I, I saw your prayer request and, you know, we'll, we'll take that to heart and, and lift it up as we have chance to do. One mm -hmm. um, my church, we have a couple of folks on a digital ambassador team who are interacting with folks tuning in on uh, the, the live stream on YouTube. Another church I know of, uh, somebody on our team, uh, they have digital deacons that are reaching out and caring for the people who are joining only by way of live streaming. Um, so the, that's some, you know, adaptive change. I think that's, that's wonderful. Yeah, I think one of the big issues with technology is staffing mm. and the default in many churches is, is something else for the pastor to do. Mm -hmm. I think you can really resent the technology when it begins to take too much of your time and your energy. People don't realize what it takes to take even the simplest bit of technology and make it available to them in a quality format. We are short staffed right now at St. Andrews. We've got three search teams looking for <laughs> staff people. And uh, I'm spending a couple of hours a week on technology because that's one of our vacancies. Uh, but 
the, the pastor doesn't need to become the executive producer of everything that happens <laughs> with technology. Having someone who will own this and has a passion for it. And then things like virtual deacons and um, ambassadors of the church to respond to conversations. That's wonderful. And it's a great way to involve others in worship leadership. We have a couple of young men in the church who had not found a niche who really love technology and are working with our tech team primarily in the live stream part of what we're doing and uh, have found a home with that. And uh, that's, that's a beautiful outcome. As I reflect just a little bit, Rhonda, on your suggestion of what faith in the metaverse might look like, uh, I am not somebody who is really connected in terms of the metaverse and virtual reality and, and this sort of emerging area where there are, of course, people who are kind of innovators and early adopters. And, and these sorts of technologies, I think, are going to become more and more a part of mainstream American life, right? You know, if you, if you think about that bell curve when it comes to adopting technology and you sort of have the innovators, the early adopters, and then there's a, the early majority and then, uh, you know, over on the other end of the bell curve, there's there are the laggards, uh, which I think is a great descriptive word to talk about some of us, uh, right? The laggards. Um, and so I, I think it will be interesting, and I'm certainly not the person to talk about this, but I'd love to dive in and, and do some research on this is, uh, you know, what are those innovators and early adopters doing in this space relative to the metaverse? I've, I've heard stories about pastors who see part of their role as being a pastor in the metaverse. And certainly there are, are people for whom their interactions in the virtual space are an extension of, of the very reality of their everyday life. And as that becomes more and more so, I think there's this space that's opening that, that pastors and other people who are aware and inclined might minister in this space. So I, I wonder, Rhonda, what you're thinking, early thoughts that you have on that. Well, I think, um, I, I don't know much about the metaverse. I do know that my eight-year-old um, loves to play Roblox, which is kind of a, a form of the metaverse that, you know, engages kids in virtual reality. And so I kind of wonder what that might look like, you know, in that kind of setting. Um, yeah, I think there's space for events like we would think of as a worship service. I think like, was it Snoop Dogg that has, has had a concert somewhere in one metaverse platform? So that might be interesting, but I, I probably think it will be less about events for building community and more about personal authentic connection, conversation um, in the metaverse. I, you know, if you ever watched the movie, The Matrix and uh, Neo goes to see the Oracle like, uh, is there a wise pastor who could become a metaverse oracle, so to speak? So anyway, I, I you know, I, I, I'm sort of talking about things I know not of. But <laughs> well, that's a maybe gift we've got a assignment to do some research and recruit a future guest for Pastor Life podcast. Or maybe there's some listener out there yeah. who is more engaged in the metaverse and virtual reality and some of these new tools and environments that could could teach us about this yeah i hope i hope you'll reach out if you um if you have some expertise with that we'd love to talk to you i think that the challenge is going to be can we be authentic 
and, and all the different tools that we might use. Authenticity is what's got to be there. And uh, the, those who are more natives to technology, I think my generation are more immigrants to technology. It's a little more of a challenge, but those who've grown up in that world, yes, that is just the way they live and breathe. And it's the way they connect. And I think the tools that are available to us and the technologies that are being developed are only going to more and more closely approximate being in the same room with one another. I think there's still sort of this challenge or this edge, and maybe that's what brings me sort of back to the theological questions about this. Um, you know, what does it mean to be embodied together um, or incarnated uh, as the church? But the truth is, if technologies are advancing in this way, and the sorts of interactions that we're able to have with one another across time and space, if, if that is more like what we do when we're together in person, there's certainly opportunity for connecting with one another and for growing in faith using these environments. And I, I may not be the person, D, Rhonda, you, I don't know, you may not be the person uh, to take this on, but I hope that there are people who will and we'll do it from that authentic place, D, that you're talking about as a, as a native to that sort of virtual extension of, of life. I, I think I still tend to think about it as two separate things, like real life and online life. But I think there are certainly people for whom that distinction is not what it is for me. My son, but, my 15-year-old son is one of those people. <laughs> yeah. You know. Well, Dee, what, what good word? you have good news for pastors out there? Um, yes. You mean on these issues of technology <laughs> or just in general? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, where, where, wherever the good news can come from. The good news that, that I would share out of my own experience recently is that um, there is, on the other side of COVID, a profound hunger in the people I'm serving to grow in personal discipleship. We see that in our congregation. I'm leading a group that is focused on that for a couple of hours together in person <laughs> every week. But uh, that to me has really been a, a shot of energy and, and motivation that uh, there is a hunger to connect with God. There's a hunger to reconnect with people. And I think that's partly coming out of the almost starvation experience of COVID. So uh, I think there are opportunities there to connect in person and there are opportunities to connect virtually too, I'm sure. I'm, I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing in people and their hunger to connect at a deeper level. I love that. That, that is a hopeful word. So thank you for that. And thanks for being on the pod, D. It's so good to be in conversation with you and to, to be colleagues in ministry together. Thanks so much for being a part of this. Thank you. Great to be here. Well, that's it for this episode of Pastor Life Podcast. You can learn more about these topics we're talking about on Pastor Life Podcast on our website, linked it from pinlead.com. That's P-I-N-N-L-E-A-D.com. And Please interact with us on Facebook or send us an email. Um, let us know what you're thinking about as you engage these technological issues in your context. 
And if you have some expertise or interest in the metaverse, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at pastorlifepodcast at gmail.com. Now, Rhonda, we have done a lot of our work together through Pinnacle uh, over the years and have rarely been in the same room together. That's true. You're right. And I wonder if we need to go out and buy ourselves some VR glasses and record (laughs) the next episode of Pastor Life Podcast in the metaverse. In the metaverse. Let's do it. See you then. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.